told y'all before it was false to the bow. Nothing but the repeat with Wentz back on the throne. All we do is set trends, so you know what we own. Yep, I'm back with the remixes, fourth and John. All birds, all Philly, midnight green. Things changing for the better since we got that ring. Put the league on notice, we're not done. 2019, we adding another one, yeah. You heard me right on every Tuesday night. Eight to ten, birds of a feather got that flight. Nothing but the hot takes. Back with the big facts for the fans, by the fans. Exactly where we at. Pull up to the tailgate, stop by F1. Baptized by the Pope, been bass for everyone. Flying in from the West Coast, even overseas. Get blessed by Ginger Jesus, we disciples of the tree. E-A-G, wait, C-H-M-P. S, don't stress, we on the same conquest. Dominate the division, destroy the NFC, conquer the AFC, grab that Vince Lombardi, Wits to AJ, climb it up the gut, be grand with the strip sack, this sound familiar, huh? Aguilar on the slot, Sproles with the return, Mills with the pick six, okay, wait, it gets worse, J train on the run, J.E. hitting from 60, Fletcher C in that D-line, that's what you don't want to see, Herbs catching tubs, foes on another level, the Super Bowl ain't the only time you see that Philly special, we live from Broad Street, brotherly loves the heartbeat, hungry dogs run faster and we don't eat cheap, no no one likes us and we don't care Cause we from Philly and we ain't never scared Look up But I just gotta know One thing Are you ready? No! I said Are you Philadelphia, we are live broadcasting from Wildfire Sports for NBC Sports Philadelphia. Welcome to the 4th and John Show, episode number 79, boys and girls. Feels good to belt out that intro the way I like to belt it out. Feels good to go into Lincoln Financial Field and come out of there with a win against the divisional opponent, especially after this up-and-down season that we've had so far coming off of a Super Bowl and looking at Lincoln Financial Field like this impenetrable fortress of home field advantage, like all we do is win there. Hasn't always been the case this year. It's been up and down. The highs have been okay. The lows have been yikesville. But it it felt great to walk out of there, chest out, chin high, walking out of there with a W, and watching all the other Eagles fans walking out of Lincoln Financial Field, singing Fly Eagles Fly, chanting E-A-G-L-E-S. We didn't want to leave. True story, Prime Gale and I stood in the street between Xfinity and the Link, where we normally film like the post-game fan interviews and everything like that, all we wanted to do was just look at the smiling faces. Just people happy, high-fiving each other, having a great time, having fun. Felt great to get that W. But not only get the W, but in the way that they got that W. Scratching and clawing and coming back from behind. When a lot of people doubted this team if they had the heart, the will, or the testicular fortitude to get the job done. Felt good to see Doug Peterson have a balanced game plan with the run and the pass ratio. Probably the most balanced he's been all season. Felt good to see Carson Wentz in the fourth quarter be, dare I say it, clutch? Maybe a little bit clutch? Can we silence the doubters and the haters at least for one week? That Carson Wentz was at least clutch in the fourth quarter? Felt good to see what kind of appeared to be a feature running back, albeit probably only for the 2018 season, but a guy like Josh Adams not only get the big plays, but get those tough, grinded-out, gritty yards. Felt good to see this defense come up with a turnover when they need it. A turnover that sprung the momentum in the Eagles' favor and allowed them to have the type of comeback that they had. Felt good to see leadership. During the open of last week, I talked about leadership in the locker room and how these guys are pointing the fingers at each other. Now, granted, for the better part of the week, inside the locker room, they were going sound bites, whether it be offense or defense, guys pointing the finger at each other. Malcolm Jenkins talking about the, 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 the what? 
the demeanor of the team. Well, before the game, he had this to say. Hey, two things, man. Two things we got to put our focus on today. That's competing and having fun. You got to have enough respect for this game and respect for the guy next to you to leave it all out on the field. If you don't leave that to the field, you don't respect me or your teammates. You got to put respect on this to get it back. At the end of the day, the money, fame, all that's gone. It's how will you remember when you step across yeah. these lines. Yeah. Respect can't be fought. That's earned every snap. Yeah. We got to earn it today. The second thing is have fun. Yeah. We work too hard now to come out here and have fun. Yeah. No matter what's happening outside of these lines, man, we got to have some fun. Get your celebrations and your talking ready. Because we having fun today. Call now, no matter what's happening. Yeah. Those are the two things. If you're not, don't come out of the locker room. Yeah. Let's go. That's leadership both on the field and getting that interception and putting the Eagles in the position to claw back and win that game, that's leadership before the game. Now, does all of this, this win against the New York Giants, recalibrate my already recalibrated expectations of the season? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Does this win against the New York Giants turn the Eagles season around? I don't know. I kind of bought into that the first time the Eagles beat up on the Giants. I don't know. We'll see. Does this win against the New York Giants mean that Doug will continue to have a balanced tack, that Mills and Jones and Maddox are coming back for the defense so they don't put themselves in the type of hole that they've been putting themselves in for the last three weeks? Will Golden Tate, does this mean Golden Tate will become a bigger part of the offense? I, I, I don't know. I don't know. We'll see. But here's what I do know, is that things are going to get real interesting Real soon. Because as I gaze into this imaginary crystal ball in front of me, there is a scenario, a likely scenario, a scenario that if I was a betting man, I would put money on. That next week, the Saints beat the Cowboys. And next week, the Eagles beat the Redskins. And everybody in this division, except for the New York Giants, because we just put the final finishing nail into that coffin. But everybody is 6-6, six and six, and it is a four-game race to see who wins this dumpster fire of a division. It is a four-game race to see who wins this trash heap of a division. It is a four-game race to see who is, a, who is the king of Turd Mountain. All and right? my fuse is lit! And my fuse is lit. Why not it be the defending Super Bowl champion, Philadelphia Eagles. Mr. Gail Saunders, Eagle Sessions on Twitter. You were there at the game with me. How are you doing this evening, sir? I am alive. Yes. I got some energy. Uh, beginning of that game uh, was kind of weird. There was a weird vibe going on at the stadium, whether it was the tailgates, whether it was in the stadium. But we got to that moment where it's 19-3. to A 4-6 and six Eagles team just gets run on by Saquon Barkley for a 51-yard touchdown. At that, at that point moment, you know, that's something I was looking for this Eagles team last week was some fight, some pride. And two players that I needed to see something from was Malcolm Jenkins, who is the definition of big-time players make big-time plays and big-time situations. Uh, and him coming up with the interception of Eli Manning when the game and the season is on the line. Carson Wentz. You know, him managing the football game without turning the football over. And that's the first time this season that Carson Wentz hasn't turned the ball over and throwing an interception. So that's huge. I mean, sometimes managing the football game is what you need to see from your quarterback at the end of the game. And his ability to lead the charge at the end of the game. You know, it was dink and dunk. You know, we had he managed to get some runs in there, you know, He's a big part of those those run checks as well. Good observation. Uh, so uh, hats off to Carson Wentz, man. And, and right before the game, uh, Doug Peterson talked about he had a message message on Saturday night to the team about basically keeping it simple and letting the players do them and do them what they do best. Uh, and hats off to to those guys for getting back to basics. Doug Peterson, I, I talked about committing to the run, committing to the run. 22 runs attempts for Josh Adams. That is ridiculous. And then Corey Clement uh, also had some runs in there. And the offensive line wanted it on their shoulders. And that's what you like to see. At this point in the season, getting that offensive line fired up. And Lane Johnson, uh, they said that that's one of his, he's felt the best this season. So right now we need to rely on the run game 
heading into where we're at now. Uh, but even even Jim Schwartz, you know, Malcolm Jenkins, uh, when we're talking about keeping it simple, you know, him going back to Jim Schwartz and communicating to him saying, hey, we got we to gotta simplify what we're doing with the younger guys in the secondary. Uh, you know, they gave up 347 yards in the first half, 56 in the second half. So obviously the message got home. The players were able to execute and play faster, uh, and at the end of the day, that's what you need from you know, like you got to have fun. Like in the in the in the intro with Malcolm Jenkins, you got to have fun and and have pride in what you're doing. And like we've been talking about earlier, we talked about you know enough, uh, you know nothing nothing above the embarrassment. Now we've upgraded to nothing above the NFC East. Welcome to the show, Philadelphia Eagles. Welcome to the show. Like he said, I mean, we're, we we could be one game out of first place. And if mm. things go our, our way, we're tied for first. Welcome Ooh, to the freaking Ooh, show. And then it's a four-game strike. That, that's, that's what I'm looking forward to. Like the four-game last little leg of the race. The last quarter of the season coming down to it. Now, the Eagles aren't going to have it easy. In fact, we'll nope. get into the numbers later. The Eagles actually, of those other of those three teams have the most difficult schedule. But you you touched on the vibe before the game. And the vibe was a little off for us as well, because for the first time in about three years, we didn't throw a tailgate. We Uh didn't. We decided to bounce around and walk to other people's tailgates and kind of check out what other people were doing. Because the last tailgate that we threw for... um, it was against Dallas. Dallas. The last, t- yeah, the last tailgate that we threw, <laughs> like I went around and checked some other things out, and it was like that DJ drummer combo. There was a lot of cool things going on, so I wanted to say, okay, we'll we'll take the show on the road, crash other people's tailgates. We went out into the parking lot, nobody there. Crickets. <laughs> there was literally nobody there. Prior to the gates opening before the Dallas game, the the line of cars to get into F1 was around the block, around Xfinity Live, and backed all the way up to Broad Street. The face, who always kind of saves us a couple spots because he's like third in line there, right. told me that in the morning when the gates opened, to get into that specific lot, there were six cars. Six yeah. cars lined up. We went to, 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 to P-Lot over by Citizens Bank Park, Ghost Town. We went over to uh, M&N Lot. A little bit, you know, there, yeah. there was some people, but the vibe was weird. I felt like the fans didn't fear the Giants as much as they feared the consequences of losing to the Giants. Maybe they knew Fourth and John wasn't throwing a tailgate. Maybe. It got so weird that you they, you had me playing hockey. Yeah. Gail was, yeah. Playing, Gail was playing, you did the hockey. They were playing, they, yeah, the, I did that hockey, but they were playing hockey at the tailgates. And and I know a lot of you just Gail, you just in, in your in your intro there, you talked about how many yards they gave up versus in the first half versus the second half. And it's easy for the critics and people who are discounting what the Eagles did to come back say, well, the Gi- the Eagles didn't come back as much as the Giants blew it. Pat Shermer didn't give the ball to Saquon Barkley enough, so on and so forth. But you got to understand something. Are the Tennessee Titans sitting there saying, hey, we didn't win the game in overtime. The Eagles just blew it. So we didn't win, but the Eagles blew it for us. You, th- you think the Tennessee Titan fans are saying that right Absolutely now? Not. Do you think the Carolina Panthers fans are saying, you know what? They gave us that game. We didn't earn that game. We didn't come back in that game. The, the Carolina Panthers are saying, thank you, Eagles. We needed that game. No, they're not. So as much as we want to discount, or, or some people on the outside want to discount the Eagles' win, fact of the matter is they played a tough game and stuck to the run even while being down. Mm-hmm. So that's a credit to Doug Peterson. That's a credit to the defense. That's a credit to Carson Wentz. That's a credit to everybody who contributed to that win. I don't care. It feels good. How long will the good feeling last? I don't know, but right now... I'll, t- I'll take what I can get. Evan Hollywood Hearn, how are you this evening? Gentlemen, we are alive! Yes, sir. We eked out a win. I hear all these people complaining about, you know, oh, well, it wasn't pretty. It wasn't the way I wanted it. Man, a win is a win. The season is still going on right now. We still have a shot to make the playoffs with everything that's opened up in our division. And I don't understand these people that are kind of like not feeling this win this week because like what what is your alternative is the eagle season's over that's what that's what you would have rather have looked forward to <laughs> i don't know but um to touch on your your point about the giants giving up that game versus the eagles winning it i think that there were some real veterans that stepped up all game and um so, like 
J- uh, Jason Peters, for instance. Jason Peters played out of his mind this this game. He was opening up holes. That was a big part in why Josh Adams had the game that he did. Uh, players like Malcolm Jenkins really just you know grabbed the defense by the reins and just he led the entire team. Honestly, uh, leading up until the drive that was right before halftime when Malcolm Jenkins got that key, I really think that I think that drive was the turning point of that game. And if the Eagles end up making the playoffs, it could end up being the turning point of the season. But um, up until then, it, it didn't look like the Eagles even even woke up that day. Like I thought, going into halftime, as they were marching down the field on us, they they were putting up what did you say, three hundred, three hundred forty-seven yards, three hundred and forty-seven yards in the first half, and then they were marching on that final drive in the first half. Dude, I was I was looking. I was like, all right, well, well, I got to figure out some things to do during the off season, but we survived and we're, we lived to fight another day. And crazier things have happened in than making a uh, a stretch towards the playoff run this year. Yeah. Oh, you know, you know what the funny thing is like you know talking about like you know just embracing what happened like or you know seeing Josh Adams, uh, undrafted free agent, mm-hmm. ball out of control. And then, you know, people on Twitter are like, oh, he's, but he's not a number one. I don't care if he's not. A, this guy contributed. Mm-hmm. When the game and the season is on the line, an undrafted free agent, mm-hmm. you know, you know, he had a call. He had a run call back as well. I mean, you know, like, but you're talking about guys that stepped up. You're yeah. talking about seventh and eighth string corners. Guys like Craven LeBlanc. LeBlanc. Who? Yeah. Shannon Sullivan, who Devonte Bosby, they sound like the cheap bottles of wine you buy for seven ninety nine at your local <laughs> liquor store. Those kind of guys are stepping up for you. You don't get that. I mean, the season is on the line, folks. Right? What did you expect? So, I mean, be you know, be uh, grateful to these guys who who balled out of control. One thing that just really stands out to me is how stark the difference was between the first half and the second half. Mm. And how we talk about how Malcolm Jenkins went to Jim Schwartz and he said, "We need to simplify these things for these guys that are not in practice with us every week, the Craven the Blancs of the team, so that they can be on the same page as all the other defenders on the team." That resulted in like a 300-yard difference mm. between the two halves. Yeah. So what my question really is is that like should have we the all season long have just been simplifying this down just to like have we been trying too hard like w- w- what made the difference in simplifying things down in that second I, half I, I think it was the injuries like the simplifying down was more based off a of necessity than anything else and the, and the cavalry's on its way i mean we might see sydney jones and jalen mills and avante maddox on monday night football i know uh, jim schwartz said Jordan Hicks was a little further away from from returning. But the simplification of the defense, I mean, you could see it at times. The Giants receivers, there was one catch where their backup tight end, like you're talking about DBs who are not only not used to playing in the league, but not used to playing with each other. So the communication is way off. That backup tight end for the Giants, I mean, he was he had a long, I think, 25-yard reception. Mm-hmm. There were three defenders around him, but nobody was really covering him. Yeah. You know what I mean? And that comes down to a communication issue. They don't have the type of rapport where they can talk to each other and communicate right. effectively on the field yet. Like how McLeod so that's why and Jenkins when you, Yeah, that's why when you simplify things, you make it easy for the guys who just got here and who honestly aren't used yeah. to playing, uh, you simplify it down so they can be effective. That's called putting your players in position to win. Right. But Malcolm Jenkins, you were just talking about him. I mean, not only did Malcolm Jenkins pick off that ball, not only did Malcolm Jenkins go to Jim Schwartz, not only did Malcolm Jenkins give that little pregame speech where he basically gathered a team up and vocal, it was a vocal leader in that locker room. Malcolm Jenkins, because of necessity, also had to play a lot of different positions on yeah. the film. Jim Schwartz talked about it in his press conference today, where even due to injuries to the no-name backups... Like one guy went down, all of a sudden Jenkins, the dime pack, they can't do a dime package anymore. So Jenkins is playing corner, you know, slot corner. Yeah. So they were putting him in a lot of difficult positions. That's what a team leader is. A guy who will rally the troops before the game, go to the coaches and explain things to the coaches during the game. Guys who will make the plays on the field, but also the guys that are versatile as well. Do what uh, needs to be done. And to talk going back to the run game. I mean, Lane Johnson, you know, he, he he mentioned he's like it was really our most balanced attack this year, and you were slowly seeing those guys wear down inside. So that was really what we wanted. We've been talking about doing this for a long time. So week ten, week eleven, here we are, a little bit late. 
little bit late to the party, but they're now in the party. Mm-hmm. Uh, so obviously, if they get back to a more a more of a balanced attack, uh-huh. I'm excited about that. You know, one other thing that you know people are talking about is the usage of Golden Tate. It's still still a little weird. It's still a little weird. Uh, like we got the we got we got the boy band of wide receivers, but we got that one dude with the off step. Like, yo, get your act together, bro. Yeah, I mean, the, he's the most targeted wide receiver right now in the group. Uh, but they got to figure out a way to use him where it's not so weird right now. One thing that was reassuring on the uh, Josh Adams touchdown drive was how. Not only did we run the ball with Josh Adams, but we were running back to back. Like I can't remember the last time I back saw to run mm. to run play. Because yeah. like usually the Eagles, they get they break off a big run and then they'll they'll try and throw something. Then you're in second and ten again. But they just they stuck with what was working, and Josh Adams was on a roll that drive, and he ended up in the end zone. It was really effective. You know, w- w- one thing before I want to get back to the Golden Tate thing because there's something that you said to me, Gail, during the game. I don't know if you realize that I that you even said it. But you know how I get to when somebody says something to me, it bounces mm. around like a pinball in my head. I can't, I can't get it out until I ha- actually say it. We're going to get into that real quick. But uh, y- you know, you were talking about the fact that people are looking at Adams and saying he's not a number one. What I need him to do for this season is be the number one. But I need him to develop into sort of like a, a, a Derrick Henry role, like down in cool. Tennessee Titans, kind, kind of a you know not. Doesn't lower his show. Kind of an upright runner, all right? But a power runner can make explosive plays, can hit a hole, but also grind out those tough yards. If Josh Adams moving forward as an undrafted rookie free agent, moving forward into next season and the season afterwards, can give me a solid six to 700 yards per season. I mean, that, that, that's a win for an undrafted rookie free agent. Sure. By the way, you also have Corey Clement, who had a couple nice carries, and I still don't think is completely healthy. Another undrafted rookie free agent. Look good. I, yeah. I got to be honest with you. I, from what I've seen, and th- this is very preemptive what I'm saying, but I think that Josh Adams might have some better vision than Corey Clement in, in finding a hole. His ability, his ability to hit the hole is what, uh. if you watched him at Notre Dame, he could hit the hole. And he, yeah. had, he had really good linemen in front of him, but when he hit the hole, he could take it for... 50 yards. And, right. he, and he broke off a lot of runs last year. His his ability to get sideline to sideline in the wiggle, that's where, you know, he's not the shiftiest guy and he's not, uh, he doesn't really excel in space catching the ball. Uh, but, like, his ability to hit that whole one-cut runner, take off, I mean, we'll take that. We'll take that inside zone with him. So let, let's talk about the Golden Tate weirdness that you just kind of touched on right there. Because there, there, there is some, There's some tension in the so, room. Some numerical fact behind the weirdness that we just can't quite put our finger on. And during the game, Gail, you turned and said to me that Golden Tate being in the game was taking away two tight end snaps. And then we talk about the two tight end formations yep. and taking snaps away from Dallas Goddard. So you know me, I'm not a big, like, let's break down the film, let's watch the tape. Right. That's not how the E-Rock do, but, <laughs> but the E-Rock did today. I went through every single offensive snap. And if you look at Golden Tate's snaps, he had 60% of the snaps, Dallas Goddard had 55% of the snaps. So there was some overlap in there. Mostly the Eagles come out in three wide receiver formations. That's where you see Golden Tate. In the three wide receiver formations, you do not see him in any two wide receiver formations or two tight end sets. If Dallas Goddard's in the game, it's a two tight end set, almost always. If Golden Tate's in the game, it's a three wide receiver set. Uh, ten snaps, they only shared time, shared the field on ten snaps. Nine out of those ten snaps were runs. So when Doug Peterson starts talking about that self-scouting and tendencies, even as me, as a film novice, and the guy who doesn't sit there and watch a ton of film and break down personnel packages, even just watching offensive snap after offensive snap, formation, formation, not even paying attention to the play or the way it was run, just personnel groupings, I already had an idea of what was coming. You saw Golden Tate go into a lot of motions, that first really awkward bubble screen where Carson Wentz threw it late. Yeah was a set-up bubble screen for the rest, of the rest of the game. In other words, they threw it to him to begin with, and then they faked that bubble screen like five or six times for the remainder of the game. Again, 
60% of the snaps for Tate, Goddard, 55% of the snaps. And it's easy to tell, like, when Goddard comes in the game, Tate's not in the game. When Tate's in the game, Goddard's not in the game. And if they are in the game, it's a run play. So if Doug's self-scouting a little bit, you got to find ways to, to, to listen. Nelly was only, what, targeted once that entire game? Yep. Yeah. Like, the answer isn't to put a bunch of receivers on the field and then target Golden Tate. Maybe the solution is to have Tate on the field as the two instead of the three. Switch it up a little. They had three tight end sets six times in the game. They ran three tight end, uh, three tight end sets five plays in a row. It's almost like Doug Peterson got to that little part of the court card where it was three tight end sets and goes, oh yeah, I forgot about this, banged out five of them and then just ignored it the rest of the game. And that was in the third quarter. And they only ran really a true four receiver set twice. So maybe we got to switch, like simplifying it, I get it. Becoming predictable becomes a problem. If if the defense is able to read what you're going to do on offense just based on personnel groupings and personnel groupings alone, that's a problem. Yeah, and going back to uh, Goddard, I mean, if you go back to last season uh, and you see how successful the Eagles were with two tight end sets, there's a big reason why I felt comfortable with the idea of drafting Goddard because they saw how successful they were with Ertz and uh, Selleck. Not Selleck. Burton. Burton on the field. So having a guy like Goddard this season made sense. They saw. The how effective they were with two tight end sets, they're coming back this year even bigger and better. So, I mean, you, you saw how Goddard, I mean, he, he's, he's a it's mismatched nightmare. If you use them correctly, it's, it's a problem. And not many teams, let alone have one good tight end, have two good tight ends. Now, that's, mm-hmm. that's a mismatch problem. So I think, you know, moving forward, they have to start getting Dallas Goddard involved. And I think you could, you could move Goddard around. You could you could give them you can move a lot of these guys around. You know I mean? They're not they're not utilizing right now, and that's the good thing about you know the, a lot of a lot of I think Nelson Aguilar said a lot of the players you know it's interchangeable, and like a lot of these players run the same routes and stuff. But you have a, a versatile skill set across the board, and it, it, and it's hard right now watching them make it work and fit. Yeah, I mean? it, it's kind of it, it feels somewhat forced because in the Dallas game there was only a a group of. Of plays that Golden Tate really knew. And then in New Orleans, I think it was more along the lines of, well, we ran a lot of hurry up and they didn't know the calls and stuff like that. There was a, it almost felt like the, he was targeted more this game to kind of force feed him the ball, but it was force fed based off of the same formation. It's hard to kind of trick a defense when you're feeding them the same look over and over and over again. Use Goddard more. I mean, everybody knows you're going to Ertz. Yeah. It's, it, that being said, I don't want to say that as a negative, because let's not forget that Zach Ertz is having a record-setting oh yeah he is ca- career year, and my man broke a tackle to find the end zone. Oh, to, right now, Zach Ertz is on pace for 122 receptions, 1,302 yards, Damn. surpassing surpassing Tony Gonzalez's 2004 mark of 102 receptions. That's 20 more. What? And 1,258 yards. That's like, that's like 50 more yards and 20 more receptions than the great Tony Gonzalez. So it's no wonder why Carson Wentz is really honing in on Zach Ertz. But you can also use that honing. There's another more than capable pass-catching tight end on the field. Don't tip your hand base of formation. By the way, just to kind of dive a little bit more into the Zach Ertz numbers, Travis Kelsey right now actually hasn't beat on yards, believe it or not. With uh, but he has 67 receptions to Zach Ertz, 84. Ertz is third in the league in receptions, third in the league. Same number as Julio Jones, more than Diggs, more than DeAndre Hopkins, and more than Antonio Brown. Wow, that's the type of company that Zach Ertz is keeping as far as receptions go right now. That's unbelievable. Yeah, yeah. I mean, only three tight ends in NFL history have had 100 catches in a single season. That is one, Jason Witten, 110. Back in 2012, Tony Gonzalez 102. Back in 2004, two, 2009, Dallas Clark 100. And like he said, he's on pace for 122. Uh, you know, the most catches in in a season in the Eagles history is Brian Westbrook with 90. Zachers has 84 right now. Oh, he's going to crush oh that. He's going to crush it. So I mean, uh, I mean Zach Zach Ertz's ability over the years. I mean, it's something. There's a quote from. Uh, 
Eagles have never had a hundred yard receiver. Oh, well, I mean, the, well, the last time a Eagles wide receiver went for over a thousand was in two thousand fourteen. That was Macklin. But uh, you know, Mike Mike Vick had a quote about um, you know a lot, a lot of us were like that breakout season for Zach Ertz. We finally we finally got it last season, mm-hmm. but. Back in the day, Mike Vick had a quote about uh, Zach Ertz. He said, since the first day that kid walked in here, I just felt there was something special about him. Uh, I just, I, I just like, I like to be, ar- be around him. I like playing with him. I like having him on, on the field. There are three players that I told that w- would be great players in this league. I always told Algie Crumpler that he was going to be great. I always told Shady McCoy that he was going to be great player in this league and I always told Roddy White and now I'm saying Zach Ertz and I think in time he will be one of the best tight ends in this game and that was back in 2013 Wow, wow. Mike Vick saying it with his chest you, you remember um, in Hard Knocks when Michael, Michael Kendrick said some nice things to say about Zach Ertz he didn't <laughs> want that smoke <laughs> well he was, say, he was saying that uh, when the when the Browns locker room was asking Michael Kendricks what they should look out for in the Eagles in the first game, first thing he says is Zach Ertz got the best hands on the team. He's got the best hands on the field. He does yep? It runs a lot of the best routes. So now we've we've beat the Giants. We've swept the Giants for the season. Big upcoming matchup against the Washington Redskins, a team that's hurting. A team that's hurting right now. The point spread, the Eagles are giving them uh, six and a half points with 53% of the action going to the Eagles. The over-under is 44 points. 71% of the action going to the over. Uh, Odd Shark has a simulated score of Eagles 30, Redskins 15. Colt McCoy comes to Lincoln Financial Field. The Redskins are a little bit banged up. How do the Eagles beat the Redskins at home, a team that has historically played us tough? Uh, again, we you know you got to shut down the run. They, like say. like Adrian Peterson has balled out of control for his you know for his level being at his age, a guy who's been banged up game after game this year. He's been banged up, so you, you stop AP and uh, force Colt McCoy to beat you. And a guy like Colt McCoy, the biggest thing about him is him turning the ball over. It, it's a thing. Uh, I, you know, I listened to some of the Red Redskin podcasts before uh, uh, coming here, and, and they're concerned about. Colt McCoy and him turning the ball over and him trying to do too much. And if they rely on the running game and AP and you shut that down, that's where we win. I mean, they're, they're a banged up football team, and like, like this, this is a put up or shut up. I mean, if you if you if you can't beat Colt McCoy mm. in November, mm. please don't think you're going to beat Drew Brees yeah. in December in a dome in January. When you know, like this is this is this is it, man. This is the season's on the line. Like y'all got to show up. Well, the Redskins are coming off of a little extra rest because they did play on Thanksgiving, so they had that Thursday game. Uh, they de- did actually, like, don't let the score fool you. The Redskins played the Cowboys tough. I mean, they had the lead up until, I think, a midway through, like, the third quarter right. and stuff like that. But Colt McCoy finished 24 of 38, 268 yards, two touchdowns. The three interceptions killed him. Mm-hmm. The three interceptions absolutely killed him. And, Gail, I think you're right. I think if you... Basically shut down the run, sell out to the run, and dare Colt McCoy to beat you in the passing game. Now, there's a little caveat to that, because if Sidney Jones and Jalen Mills and Avante Maddox don't return for the eat from the Eagles this week, you know, do you want to play that little risk-reward game? Because they do got a couple of tight ends and Reed and Vernon Davis who scored. Uh, Vernon Davis scored a big one yeah, did. against the Cowboys and and. and um, Reed had a, had a couple big first downs. Yeah. So they got tight ends that'll burn you. The wide receivers, I'm not too concerned about. Dots and what, you know, whatever. But you sort of play that risk reward game. We're going to sell out for the run, pressure the quarterback, try to force him in the mistakes, which you know darn well, right and well, he'll be able to make and attack Colt McCoy. I, I think that's the way you win that game. Offensively, if you look at the way that the, that the Cowboys played the Washington Redskins. It's very vertical. Very vertical. And that's something that we really haven't seen out of this Philadelphia Eagles team yet this year. The vertical passing game, which quite frankly, you've got zero excuses for. I mean, you give anybody else in the league the trio of Alshon Jeffrey and Nelson Aguilar, and now you throw in Golden Tate, Zach Ertz and Dallas Goddard. There's no reasons why you can't attack them vertically. So what I would like to see the Eagles do is get off to a hot start on Monday Night Football, mm-hmm. throw up like 14 points on them right away through a vertical passing game, and then make the Redskins one-dimensional on their own, 
because now they're going to be less inclined to run the ball. And it's been a while since we've been able to like make other teams one dimensional. You know, mm-hmm. like get, getting up on them would be great. Uh, I put out a stat like during the game that you know nine out of eleven first quarters the Eagles have uh, went without scoring. Scoring, yeah. So I mean, us talking about getting touchdowns and getting points on the board early in the first quarter. That's where we, uh, you know, get back to doing what we're used to doing. You got to set the tone for the whole game. Uh, completely. You got a prediction for me, Gail? A score? Yeah, man. I'm going I'm to go, uh, I'm go uh, 28-14. 28-14? I like no, it. Tw- 28-17. 28-17. Okay. It's close to mine. What, what do you got? Yeah, mine's, mine's not too far off. I got the Eagles 30 points. Nice. Redskins 21. 21. I got 27-17 birds. I think it's I think it's a comfortable game. I think it's been a while since we've had a comfortable game. And when I say 27-17, I'm not talking about like garbage know, time th- touchdown. Yeah, I'm talking garbage time touchdown. You know, we we have the game pretty much in the bag by the fourth quarter. That's what I would like to see. Yeah. Like you you've seen the games last red zone four times running out Fourth down, stop. We've seen that twice this year. Yep. We've seen the games that they've got flogged. We've seen the games that they've given up. We saw the Eagles last week come from behind and get a victory. It's been a while, other than the New York Giants, the first time around, that we've seen this team really kind of flog another team. Yeah. I think this is the perfect opportunity. And set up that last four-game race to win the division. No, it's funny. Like, when I was talking about, I was listening to, you know, red, other Redskin podcasts, see how they... See how they felt about the Eagles? Really? And then they're talking about the schedule. Fourth and crab cake. I, I mean, <laughs> <laughs> Fourth and racist. <laughs> they're talking about the Eagles like the Eagles are, are like a road bump on the way to the playoffs. They, really? They actually think that they're going to run the table win the play, you know, win the, the NFC East. With a backup quarterback. With, There's only with, one with NFC Lloyd. East team that can do that, that with a backup quarterback. Interesting. <laughs> but I was like, really? Like they were like one other guy was like, "Oh, well, it's a 50% chance that the Cowboys get there and then I'll give it to the the Redskins, but you know, the the Eagles maybe 10%, 15%. Fourth like, and dumbasses? What, what are we listening to like, down at really? BC? Really? That's te- well, I mean, let, let, let's take a look at it. Let's take a look at the Eagles' remaining schedule. Uh, Washington Monday Night Football, then at Dallas, it's going to be a tough game. At the Rams, going to be a tough game. At home versus Houston, going to be a tough game. And that Week 17 down in D.C., that might be for all the marbles down there. Okay. The Eagles do not have an easy road. Three out of their last remaining five are on the road. Their winning percentage, the team's winning percentage that we're going up against, is .65. It's not good. It's a tough schedule. It's a tough, tough schedule. Redskins got the quote-unquote bump in the road at Philadelphia Monday Night Football versus the New York Giants at Jacksonville. <laughs> that, that Jacksonville thing's a mess down there. Cody that is the starting quarterback. Ugh, at Tennessee and then versus Philadelphia. The winning percentage of their opponents, 0.40. Not great. No. Uh, actually, the easiest schedule, remaining schedule of the NFC East teams. Cowboys versus New Orleans. Oof, that's a nightmare. Versus Philadelphia. We'll see what Eagles team shows up. Bump in the road. At, bump in the road, apparently. At Indianapolis. That's going to be They're a tough game. Six and five or no? Versus Tampa Bay and at the New York Giants. They kind of got a cut, like a couple cushy games down at the end there. Their opponent's winning percentage... Point five one. So the Eagles have the hardest road to the playoffs. The Redskins have a starting quarterback that's down, and they are way banged up. The Dallas. That's why I, I was so torn on Thanksgiving, watching that Cowboys Redskins game, because you wanted the Cowboys to win to kind of even up the record, you know, to, to to make sure that the NFC East was only an arm's length away. But part of me was rooting for the Redskins. I can't stand the smack talk. But, yeah. but, but, but because if the Redskins, the Redskins aren't built for long haul, period. Okay. I mean, even if they make the playoffs, they're a road bump in the playoffs for some team. They're bumping the road. Definitely. They're not built for the long haul. The Cowboys are, unfortunately for us. The Cowboys are. So we'll see. We got some injured players coming back. We'll see, you know, what, what the path ahead, you know, kind of shows for us. If the playoffs, if the curious part is, if the playoffs were to start today, your one seed would be the Saints. God, they're just a machine. Two seed would be the Rams. I honestly, I can't see anybody getting past those two teams. 
Third seed would be the Bears. Fourth seed would be the Cowboys. The Cowboys are now leading the NFC East. Fifth seed, Vikings. Sixth seed, Redskins. You would actually have two NFC East East teams if the playoffs started today. In the hunt, Seahawks at 6-5, Panthers at 6-5, Eagles at 5-6, goes to the Packers and the Falcons after that. But the Seahawks and the Panthers, you you know, you might be rooting against them for the remainder of the season as well, just in case there's any sort of shot of a wild card scenario. We're not going to wild card. We're winning the NFC East. I like I, I like that Saying line of thinking. Chest. I like that line of thinking. Absolutely. But you know, the other thing is it's it's you know it's one game at a time, but it, it is a very long season, mm-hmm. and you never know when someone can go down. A la Alex Smith uh, and the whole offensive line, or yeah, the whole off in one game, and, yeah. then, and Carson Wentz going down last season. So I mean, you know, if your depth is not in po- on point, hey, teams teams can struggle down the end of the road, and anything can happen at the end of the season. So you know, and if you get hot, we all know, like you know, those Giants teams that make it into the playoffs historically. When yeah. you get hot, you get hot, and we're at a moment where can they build off this win? All we need to do is Giants. Get in. You know, Buy us our ticket in. You know, are you doubting us? You know, that's could, what could we you, want. Could you imagine if they beat the Washington Redskins at home, and then they go to Dallas and smack around the Cowboys? The city's reignited. Oh, oh my God! All of a sudden, like, yeah. wait, what, 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 what's going on here? Rams? That's going to be tough. But, but maybe, but, 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 maybe. You, but you could, but you could lose one of those games. You, you can lose you a Rams or a Houston game. You know what I mean? If you can just sweep the Reds, uh, the Redskins, and the division, beat Dallas, really, yeah. And then steal one against the Texans, or maybe even the who the hell knows? Yeah. Who the hell knows? This t- this team, its fuse could be lit. <laughs> fuse could be lit going into the playoffs. But let's take it four downs with Mister Hollywood Hearn. Four downs with Hollywood Hearn. First down. All right, boys. So uh, we had some interesting touchdown celebrations this uh, this week. Did we? First, we did. First things first, we had one Mr. Tyler Lockett uh, get in the end zone. Then he did the step over Allen Iverson, uh, 2001, over uh, Tyron Liu. I just want to know, first of all, how did someone from Seattle do that before someone from Philadelphia? I don't know how that happened. And second of all, we had Amari Cooper. He's killing us, not not just against yeah. the Eagles, but he's also getting into Sixers fans' hearts. He was making fun of Markel Fultz's bobble the ball before he shoots the free throw after he scored a touchdown. What were mm. your guys' thoughts on these two celebrations? Well, it's amazing that uh, it's two Sixers-related yeah. touchdown celebrations, and one, one of which being against the most hated Philadelphia football rival in the Dallas Cowboys. Yeah. Uh, somebody should have thought of the Iverson step over in Philadelphia long They've had time 17 ago. years. Uh, yeah, they, they've had a while to figure that one out. The uh, I didn't, uh, oh, It just made me grip my teeth on Thanksgiving watching him do that bobble thing. Because yeah. as much as I'm not a big hoops guy, I know that's like a punch at Philadelphia. Yeah. And any sort of swing at Philadelphia, I'm like, you son of a... He's fitting in in Dallas just right with his punches at Philadelphia. He really is. I, I mean, I tried to make the argument that Golden Tate was the better trade initially when those trades happened. He's been effective, man. He's been, not only has he been effective, bro. but he's, Route runner. he's younger... And we're still trying to awkwardly fit in Golden Tate, who's a loner, yeah. into this offense. He stepped right in. So in, in the trade deal, hey, if that's the only L we take from Dallas for the remainder of the season, I'll take it. Yeah, it was weird because I, I had a meme um, earlier this week. It was like a step over with TJ McConnell over uh, Markel Fultz. Okay. As, so, uh, you know, I was mad because I'm like, yeah, if, only we can make fun of Mark Hill right now. Not not right. no Dallas people. He's like our baby brother. But I was like, why did nobody on the Eagles of all the celebrations last year, anyone do that? I mean, Irishson's a god in Philly. So I mean, do you see the Minnesota one? Do you see the limbo? I did not. That was pretty good. The limbo one was pretty. Stout. Yeah, the, the, I still the, don't think the Bears have been outdone though yet. No, with, no, the, with the, with the like the, the Motown oh sort God, of Motown. It, it, it was so perfectly executed. The, the, the limbo one gives them a, a run for its money because it's not hard to coordinate guys to dance in the background. You got to get two offensive linemen to pick a guy up as he's planking, and then people run it. So I'll give credit to. Yeah. I don't like giving credit to the Vikings, but all right, it's a Skull. nice one. Skull. God, it's so annoying. It is. Go ahead. Second down. All right, so there is a new man in Redskins Red. 
One Mr. Reuben Foster cleared waivers right before the show started today. Reuben Foster will be playing for the uh, Washington Redskins. Gail's giving me this shocked look right now. I yeah, can tell he hasn't is, seen the news. This is the first you're hearing of this? Yo, every time, I, did this just happen? This just happened. Every time I drive down here, I'm just like, Something might have broke. Yep. Maybe I should. There it is. Reuben Foster is a Redskin. Are you kidding me? It was only one team in the NFL. Yeah, pull out your phone, man. It I'm, happened. I'm, 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 I want to throw it. Oh. <laughs> There's only one team that put in the claim for Reuben Foster, and that was the Washington Redskins. What they're thinking, I have zero idea. I don't, I, I don't, I don't know what they're thinking. First of all, if you claim the guy on waivers. You inherit his contract. Now, granted, a lot of his bonuses have been tossed out the window based, of, based off of off-the-field issues, so on and so forth. But uh, you're, you're bidding against yourself. You realize that. He's still getting paid first-round money. You could have let him clear waivers. Nobody was going to touch him and then sign him on the street. Right. Not only that, but he, he's, right now he's on the uh, Roger Goodell's exempt list. Right. So we so don't know when we're going to see that yeah. guy, and we're not going to see that guy until litigation... So we're clear go, this go. week. Yeah, we're clear this week. You're not going to see him in a Redskins uniform until litigation clears. And being as he already was suspended for two games based off of arrest charges, there was a marijuana charge, it was another... Yeah, I got it right here. He had the uh, domestic violence charge, the uh, assault weapon possession charge, um, and multiple other domestic violence charges. Yeah, yeah so, so you could have you signed him off the streets if you really wanted him for whatever reason. You could sign him off the streets probably for a little cheaper. Uh, he's not going to play for you this year. And remember, even if he, even if all charges are dropped, which was he smacked a girl's phone out of her hand and pushed her and then open palm smacked her across the face, there's the court of law and then there's the court of Roger Goodell. So how long is that suspension going to be? Mm-hmm. Not only that, but you take that big old PR hit because now you're acting like the Cowboys signing women beaters. I mean, that that it's just it's just not a good look. I don't know what the Redskins are thinking on that one. I I mean, it's just weird. I, I think you know, you know, from all the PR nightmares you've had with the Redskins, with you know, even their, their logo, their logo, their name, right? Like you're taking on another player who's you know just going just just he just went through this situation. Poor character. You you guys look weird picking him up right away, uh, and then again, you know with. Without you know the NFL's no more initiative, like it's all right. When, when is this no more thing going to go in effect? That's an yeah. excellent, it's very point. hollow. You know what I mean? Like so, it's an excellent if point. You Roger Goodell are watching this or listening to this. Make make a point. Podcast. Make it make a stand here because uh, you know even a guy Ruben Foster. A lot of us were talking about him pre-draft, and we all admire what he could do on the football field. But now that we've seen the background issues popping up. And these are these are more than issues. This is a huge problem. I, I think the, they have to make a stand. If you're going to say no more, me no, no more. Yeah, me. You're going to bring in players in the league like this. Third down, no more. All right. So uh, the Browns, Baker Mayfield, first of all, had uh, something to say about Hugh Jackson, uh, his former head coach, and he just talked about his displeasure of him going to the Bengals as a defensive coordinator. Then Demarius Randall picks off the ball. Um, against the uh, Bengals this week when the Browns were in the middle of routing them, and he runs the ball over to his former head coach, Hugh Jackson. Have you seen a bigger slap in the face in an NFL game than that? <laughs> I think his Madden rating uh, just shot up into 99 pettiness rating. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I would boss guess. status. <laughs> 99 pettiness rating. Uh, yeah, nice. I mean, but I, I mean, I, I like that. I like you know they're you know they're jabbing, take a jab at the coach. I know obviously they're like, oh, you're gonna go to the Bengals, you know, you're gonna be one of our rivals. But uh, you know the man's gotta get a job. The guy got fired. You can't hate on the dude. For gotta wanting. put food on the table. Gotta put food on the table, bro. So uh, hats off to you know. Him for doing his own thing. And Baker Mayfield, hey, you transferred from Texas Tech uh, to Oklahoma. That's a sin. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. I, I, I just can't help but look back when Chip Kelly was fired and the Eagles' like head coaching search went on. There was Adam Gase, who was down there in Miami, doing nothing. Hugh Jackson. Everybody wanted Hugh Jackson, who's already been fired. And now there's Crusher Peterson, just head, sitting there with a the Super Bowl ring. Super Bowl trophy. It's pretty good. Who would have thought? Pretty good. Who would have thought? Who would have thought it? What you got for fourth down? 
Fourth down. All right, so uh, we had quite the showing this week uh, from the Chargers, specifically Phillip Rivers. Phillip Rivers, to start the game, went 25 straight completions and went for an astonishing 28 for 29. So I just want to know, where does Phillip Rivers rank among, among active QBs that are still in the league right now? And what kind of noise do you think the uh, Chargers can make in the postseason? Mm. Philip Rivers is the best quarterback in the league that nobody talks about, mm-hmm. and and it's kind of like self perpetuated because they 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 put him in Los Angeles with the Rams, who right now are absolutely on fire. Uh, how much you know? Philip Philip Rivers was in that draft class with Ben Roethlisberger and Eli Manning. Never got the accolades, but if you look consistently stat wise, he's been doing it and getting it his done. His whole career, his whole his Long whole time. career. So it's good to see him get some recognition. He should get more recognition. How much noise can they make in the playoffs? To be honest with you, I haven't seen enough of the like the Chargers. I think more about the Jaguars than I do about the Chargers. Like, aren't they, aren't they kind of like a those like California a football head. teams, man? They're they're like the forgotten team out there. Yeah. Like, oh yeah, and then there's the Chargers. Oh yeah, and they're pretty good. Oh yeah, and Philip Rivers is still getting it done. He put up stats every year. You think he could end up in the Hall? No. 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 No, he doesn't have to play. Like, like how many playoff games has that man won? How many times has he been you. in the Super Bowl? How many times has he won a Super Bowl? You're talking about Ben Roethlisberger, Eli Manning, and then Phillip Rivers. Yeah. In that conversation. I mean, uh, he had almost more completions than he does have children. I mean, that dude, <laughs> that dude, I mean, uh, he's a... Uh, you know he's he's a great passer of the football. I think you know, but they they did lose Melvin Gordon, so that's going to be issue for them moving forward. But Philip Rivers, he's got the numbers though. I don't know. All right, sounds good. Hey, we appreciate you tuning in to this episode of Fourth and John. Make sure you give us a positive review on iTunes. Give us the old five stars. That goes a long way. Appreciate NBC Sports Philadelphia and everything that they're doing for us. Uh, Tailgate will be back on. It is going to be our last wild and crazy tailgate of the year. Of course, sponsored by Bud Light, supplying the beer for the tailgate. We'll see you on Monday Night Football. E-A-G-L-E-S, Eagles! Eagles football? We're talking Eagles football. You're listening to Fourth and John. Wait, what the f is a John anyway? One of the most hardest hitting safeties in the league. Yes, you did. The world champ. Hallelujah. Damn, that's kind of dope. Poor donkey. He's in. Touchdown.